Love and Profit Show. Here we go. Hey, everybody. I am very happy to interview Hillary Booker in today's episode. She's going to talk about three biggest tips for making transformations in your life, along with creativity and the soul. Oh, it's going to be good. Welcome, welcome everybody to the Love and Profit Show. This is David Papa, and I am very excited to welcome my guest today. Her name is Hillary Booker, and she's the founder and CEO of the Institute for Earth-Based Living, an earth-based restoration guide and researcher. I feel like that's, there's so much in there. We could talk about so many good <laughs> tips that we're going to hear today. But Hillary, thank you so much for joining. How are you today? Thank you for having me. I'm great. How are you doing? Oh, I am great. I'm great. Now, uh, I'm in Prague. Where are you in the world are you? I am in the U.S. and I'm in Delaware. Delaware. Oh, man. that's that. Uh, there's that line from Wayne's World when he's yes, like, driving across the country. Accurate. He's like, Delaware? You know, or something. Yep. Yeah. And then you could be magically whisked away to Delaware. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, hi. We're in Delaware. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, uh, one of my really good friends and uh, a, a cool coach is is living outside of Wilmington. So, okay. and I actually used to work in, in Wilmington, Delaware, believe it or not. Back in the day, okay. I worked in an advertising agency in Wilmington and uh, I didn't enjoy that. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Hillary, really, I'm, I'm really excited to hear what your work is all about. I follow you on Instagram. You know, uh, you, you've posted some really interesting things about the tarot and you have really interesting cosmic messages all the time. Your website <laughs> is so authentic. And cool, and we're going to tell people how to find all of those things before the end of the show today. But first is the question I like to ask of everyone, because this show is all about combining science and spirituality to create transformations in our lives. So let's hear a story about transformation from you or, or someone you know, something recently that happened, so we can give the listeners an idea of what transformation looks like in, in different ways. You, do you have a transformation story you'd like to share? Absolutely. I have many transformation stories, but the most recent one for me personally is um, my transition into becoming a coach, which Ooh. has been huge for me. Um, it's a decision that I made within the last year. Um, and I actually, a year ago from now, if you had told me that I would be a coach, I would have laughed in your face. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> It's like I'm not going to be a coach. I don't know about that. Wait, did um, you did you not like coaching the idea of coaching, or did you just yeah, feel I like I didn't like the idea of okay. coaching? Conceptually, I was not about it. Okay. Um, so I had to change my my mindset around coaching in order to become one, um, <laughs> which I'm really really glad that I decided to do. So it was something that I had to embrace, and so I had this day. I was sitting in my therapist's office, and I was like. I can do all of these different things and I want to work with people to heal them. And I want to integrate, I mean, so much about what your show is about, you know, how do I integrate the, the science and the philosophy and the spirituality and the body and the earth and the food, all these different things that I do, how do I integrate them into one thing? Um, you know, and realized that I probably should become a coach because 
I could integrate all of those things that I do as a coach. And I literally had a breakdown. I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to take that name. I'm not going to use that word. <laughs> um, oh. And, you know, because I was like worried that I didn't have the legitimacy and there are all of these, you know, imposter syndrome issues coming up. Um, and my therapist said, well, you have an option. You could worry about being legitimate for the rest of your life and drive yourself crazy spending the rest of your life in school, which you've done for your entire life up to now. Or you could own your authenticity and your clear healing abilities and go out there and go out there and do this. So I was like, I think I'll take the second option. <laughs> yeah, the second one sounds better. But this is this is a fascinating point in your in your transformation because your brain was screaming at you, I'm not gonna take that name, I'm not gonna be a coach. Right. And it sounds like you 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 realized that it was coming from some fears. That's where your resistance, yeah. you know, was coming from. But did you know that at the time that your brain was screaming at you? Or did the screaming sound like you know, uh, was your brain giving you other reasons why you shouldn't be a coach? You know, because uh, I mean, maybe I need to explain a little bit better, but I've noticed inside myself that when I have a fear towards something, my brain comes up with reasons that sound really good why I should avoid it. You know, it's not, it, my brain isn't saying, oh, I'm scared of that, so don't do it. My brain is saying, like, oh, you shouldn't go do that thing because it probably won't work out. And you probably don't know what you need to do to do that. And, right. you know, it, it gives you these reasons that's, that sound pretty good, but underneath it, it, it's fear. Is that kind of what happened to you, or do you have a different experience? Um, I think when I talked about legitimacy, a lot of it was around legitimacy. A lot of it was around my own perception and perspective of what a coach is and what a coach can be. I think I had a very limited perception, very limited perspective on who that could be and what that could be. Um, and so my transformation over the last several months, um, the last six months in particular, has really been about how do I live my way into that um, that field, that word, that term in a way that feels authentic to me. So oh. how do I maintain what is, you know, the essence of what I do and the essence of who I am and bring, you know, the container together with, with my self and, you know, create a flexible container, um, but also maintain what it means to be a coach that people will see me and see what I do and be like, Oh yeah, that's definitely a coach. Um, so it's, it's finding that balance between, between the container and that which I am using to fill it. Gotcha. So it sounds like you know, there's a big identity struggle here. You oh know? yeah, like, huge identity. Is struggle. my identity a coach? What does that yeah. even mean? You know, right. and I'm sure your therapist's wise advice. You know, which option do you want to take? I'm sure it that wasn't that you didn't just like hear that and then snap into. Oh yeah, okay, good. Sounds good. I feel good about this. No, it sounds like there's a right. many month process of you being like, what right. is my identity? What does this mean? Right. I love what you said about making it authentic to you, you know, because it's, it's just uh, sounds like you kind of realize, look, coach is just some coach is neutral. I have these ideas right. against what a coach is, but actually right. coach is neutral. How do I make it fit me? How do I take this on board right. in a way that works for me? And that's, that's such an important part of a, of a transformation process is incorporating it into our identity, how our identity relates to it. So can you, right. can you share more about that, about what you went through with that? Yeah. I think for me, you know, I can't remember a time in my life when there's been an issue with me, um, 
trying to be somebody else, trying to be somebody I'm not. Usually it's more, how can I figure out how to wear, it's, it, it's all clothes, right? Like being a coach is just clothes. Like these bodies are just clothes. Um, you know, how can I wear that title? How can I wear that outfit in a way where I can still rock it, but you know, have the accessories that work for me or whatever it is. Um, so it's definitely, um, you know, one of the things I've done is looked at a lot of different people who are doing coaching. So to not kind of, you know, I had, a, like I said, I had a pretty narrow view of what a coach is. There's a few big names that are out there that are, are lovely people and do work that's great, but didn't quite align with what I really feel like I do. So part of it was reaching out and finding other people who do the kind of work that I want to do and are also in the coaching um, container. I also have a really, really good friend who I trust a lot, who's extremely authentic, who has been a coach for a while. And so I kept reminding myself that if she could be a coach, if, if she could fit into that and that could fit into who she is and what she does, then I could too. We, we can figure out how to make that work. Um, mm. There's something, so, there's something great what you're talking about here. There's this idea of you going to look for role models yeah. in the world of yeah. people that could inspire you right. to be to step into coaching in a way that is an authentic match for you. But what I particularly like about this story is that you know you you didn't just look at these big names in the coaching world and say, hey, "How can I be them?" Right? No, you know <laughs> you looked at them, and, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You looked at them and you were like, oh, you know what? That's not, that's not me. You know, where are the people who are more yeah. like me? Where are the people that are actually, you know, the models that do fit me? Because it's easy to get kind of stuck in one narrow definition of success, right. you know, one narrow definition of what being a successful coach right. looks like, you know, and, and we try to, you know, those of us in the field could try to copy these other people right. and, you know, at the expense of our own authenticity. So it sounds like you managed to avoid that. Yeah, I think so. And I think one of the other things that's helpful for me is that, you know, I, I am a shapeshifter for sure. Um, so my identity is I'm always testing the bounds of my own identity and also testing the boundaries of the containers that I take on um, and seek to take on. So, you know, as an academic, I definitely test the boundaries of what an academic is as a researcher. I test the boundaries of what is a researcher. Um, as a, as an artist, I test the boundaries of what are, what's an artist. Um, so whatever these different containers that I take on, um, I figure out a way, like I said, to, to kind of maneuver the container or to, um, remix it, remake it in a way that, um, you know, patchwork it up so that it, it fits my identity and who I am and what I seek to accomplish in the world. Yeah. I love that idea. Shape shifting, not looking at your identity as so fixed. It's yeah. so easy to get so caught up into our ideas of who we are, Yeah, you know, and they're just ideas. They're just they mental. Are. They're just and like I mental notes. I've had, you know, the privilege of moving around. It started out as just who I was. Well, it is still who I was, but also it's, it is who I am. And also the privilege of moving around a lot. And when you move around a lot, I'm sure you've found, um, your identity shifts depending on the environment in which you find yourself. So there's, you know, you can't survive in every environment as the same person. So learning how to sort of adapt to different environments um, has taught me so much about identity. Mm, that's a really good point that the environment is 
the environment and our identity are is is like a co-creative yes. relationship. Yes. You know, it's and that's not actually a huge just... piece of my philosophical work and my theoretical work is about how you know our environments and our identities are always working in conjunction with each other to create new things, not just new people in new places, but new ideas. You know, the third space is a huge hybridity theory. The third space is a huge piece of of what I do. So also the idea of science and spirituality. When you bring those two things together, what happens? Yeah, the third space. Tell us more about that. What does that mean? Um, the third space is, again, an idea that comes up originally out of hybridity theory. So it's been around for kind of, well, it's been around as long as humans have been around. But that term has been around for about 40 years um, and emerging a lot more lately. There's actually a book that came out about 10 or 15 years ago. Um, that's about the third space as actual places. So rather than just your home or your work, where are the places that, that socializing happens? So coffee shops or, um, you know, the barber shop, where are those places where people intermix in a different kind of way? But in a, in a theoretical way, um, the third space is, um, when people have mixed identities and multiple identities, they come from mixed and multiple backgrounds. Um, what is it that they are? What is it that they create as a result of their being is a third space. There's also, and something that I actually, in um, my article in Love and Profit, the last one, I had a quote from Chela Sandoval in, in her book, The Methodology of the Oppressed, and she discusses the third space as that thing which is created when two people love one another. So that what genuine love, this abyss, this thing that opens up that can't be formed and can't be contained, there's some other kind of identity that belongs not entirely to either of them but can only be created because they both exist. Um, and so the third space is, you know, where you are, who you are, when you truly integrate all of yourself. Um, and so it's, a, it's an idea that I use a lot as an astrologer as well, because a huge piece of my practice, a focus of my practice is that every single person has every single sign and every single planet within them. So rather than identifying only with your sun sign or only with your moon sign or saying, well, you know, all of my energy is here. We all have all of the energies. So if you integrate all of the energies, a third space is who you really are, right? So it is mm. that there actually, I posted something recently on Instagram, um, a quote, John O'Donohue, the Irish poet quoting um, Meister Eckhart about, you know, that space where you've never been wounded, that place that is your true identity, that your biography doesn't define your identity. Um, and so it's like that place when I think about the third space, it's that, that very aerial, ephemeral place where, where your true identity lives and exists separate from anywhere that you've been. This is, this is wicked. This is, uh, <laughs> This is, this is a amazing idea, and it it gets you know. There's a there's a line that you threw out that you you know you said early on in this in this show that I think is is an, is a hugely interesting line, which is that you know the, these this this life this form I'm in is just clothes right. that I'm wearing. So it's kind of like is that what you're talking about? That there's this there's this uh, more more solid kind of longer lasting you know uh part of ourselves deeper than our identity and 
one way to look at this, uh, this uh, co-creating in the world, one way to look at moving to the world is examining how that deeper, more solid thing is interacting differently in different environments and which are, which become your identity in those environments. And then also how that deeper solid thing is expressing in co-creating with someone else, you know, creating something that happens in between them. Is that kind of what you're saying? Is am I getting this? Yeah. And also I think, um, you know, to a certain extent, your identity is the co-creation between your spirit and your body. Right. So it's even, even if our bodies are just clothes, they're also a huge part of how we understand our identities in the world. And it's, you know, I do believe that we, our spirits move into these bodies so that they can understand what it means to exist within particular limitations. How do you exist within limitations and be completely infinite at the same time? Um, oh, and I just felt that. I felt that in my, <laughs> felt that in my bones. How can you be both those things? So that's a big question. I mean, that's a daily question for me. How can I honor the limitations of my body and the planet while understanding they're infinitely creative? Um, so I think that's a piece of the third space um, that, that both are important. The body is extremely important, um, that we are meant to experience the world and create through our bodies. You know, when you create, our minds are incredibly creative, but there's also the piece of what are they creating? Um, and, you know, I think, again, from because I use a lot of metaphysical work, a lot of intuitive work, kind of the, the idea of different energies. So there's earth energy and air energy and water energy and all these different kinds of energies. And fire. The earth energy is important. Fire. There's <laughs> fire. You must be a fire sign. <laughs> um, fire is also important. That's the creative part. Um, but fire also would be nothing if there was nothing to burn, right? It can't, it can't exist without something to burn. So, so that idea that you bring these different things together and there's not only the act of creating, but also the product. So process and product, where do they come together? Mm, God, this is, this is amazing. You know, (laughs) what I like about this is how you said trying to be, have limitations, trying to experience limitations and be infinite at the same time. We get so caught up in our human lives in, in taking the duality for granted. You know, we, we see like, right. we, you know, we, we feel like things are either one or the other, you know, right. and, uh, we don't realize that most things we deem as opposites are two sides of the same coin, you know, and, right. and in this time space continuum, you know, the, this duality exists because we wanted to experience that contrast, you know, and wanted to experience right. what those limits are like and how do we push right. against them to create and experience what our maybe, you know, the deeper part of us wants, our soul wants, and how do we create and push right. against those limits in a way that then makes things in the physical world as well? You know, that's, this is a, this is a fascinating, so you do all this in your coaching? You guys, this, this is what you talk about? Yeah. Oh, that's this amazing. <laughs> But yeah, even, I mean, in terms of what you're talking about, and that's when I, where I think the third space, the middle space is really important um, because that's the tension, right? The tension is in the middle. It's kind of easy to be one or the other, but if you can kind of figure out how to be in the middle, that's where the tension really is, you know, at the crossroads where everything comes together. And how do you maintain all of those things without losing the integrity of any of mm. them? So it's where that it's, 
I'm kind of seeing a Venn diagram in my head right now, <laughs> you know, like okay. two circles overlapping. And in that, in that middle mm-hmm. spot, you know, instead of seeing them as two opposites, there's, there's a middle where they can both be honored in some way. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. finding that middle, that tension, as you put it, I like that you use that word because in the body, I'm sure it feels like a tension, you know, psychologically, mm-hmm. it feels like a tension to be in that right. space where you're not, you're not accepting the idea of the opposites. You're accepting the idea that they can both be right. honored. And, uh, and that's, a. Uh, so and you, it literally looks like that on a brain scan, right? When you look at the the neurons moving back and forth, like they're trying to figure out, you know, so you think about that, what is it to come into balance? Uh-huh. And it'll never be still. I think that's the other thing. Balance is never stillness. It's always to be dynamic. So it's it's like in the in the tarot deck, um, one of the, the cards for balance is the two of pentacles. And it's an infinity sign in this guy trying to balance these balls and like... Everything is kind of moving. There's waves, but he's figuring out how to keep everything balanced, even though everything is always moving. And I think that's the only way you actually can stay balanced. That's why I use, I use the uh, metaphor of dancing all the time. Mm. You know, a lot of times in dancing, you actually have to be moving in order to stay balanced. So, oh, that's that's beautiful. Yeah, I love the metaphor of dancing as a metaphor for life in, for so many reasons. You know, like uh, one of them is uh, comes from a famous Alan Watts quote. You know, where life mm-hmm. is not a journey with the point of getting somewhere at the end, you know, there's no end destination. It's more like a dance where, you know, you don't do the dance so that you finish, you know what I mean? You don't do the dance just so you do the final dance move, you know, you do the dance because the process of dancing itself is what you're enjoying, right? you know, yes. and uh, it's kind of, and so you're saying also it's this idea of constant movement, which is, is so important. Uh, it's so easy to get caught up, especially in the in the personal development world, it's so easy to, to be like, okay, do what, if I can just figure out my perfect setup, you know, right. I've certainly fell into this trap, right? If I can just figure out my perfect morning routine, right. or if I, I just got to figure out the perfect way to work out, you know, and then I'll, I'll have it and I'll do I'll it. I'll be there but, and you know, be great and, and it's all going to feel like, yeah, I made it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But really it's, it's not like that. It's about, it's going to be in constant movement. Right. And, and maybe, pra- you know, that's why it's a practice. That's the point of practice in the first place. You mm, know, that you're never going yeah. to wake up with things being perfect. You're never going to wake up with things being the same from one day to the next. Every morning you're in a new space. Every morning, you know, it's a new day, something, you know, the climate's shifting. One day it's sunny, the next day it's cloudy, and that affects us. The, the practice part is how do you maintain your practice no matter what's happening around you? And that's where the growth is. You know, the growth is not imperfection. The growth is to keep doing it, you know, commitment. So, mm, commitment to that motion. Yeah. You know, I, I, this is, I have trouble explaining this to people sometimes, you know, about the idea of change. This uh, was in a conversation the other day. Actually, I was being interviewed on a podcast and um, we were talking about change and at change. And I was trying to tell them that like, look, change is constant. You know, the you don't have to worry about change happening. It's always <laughs> happening. You know, like nothing, like, don't worry. Like these things that you, we see around that you want to be changed. Oh, they're going to change. Like everything is going to change. It's all temporary. So the real question is, where do you want to participate in the change? Right. You know, where do you right. want to, where do you want to add your energy to the change so that right. the change moves in a and direction how, that yeah. is aligned with you and your, your love and your heart and your, your spirit. You don't have to try to make change happen. You just have to flow in the way that's aligned with you. And I kind of feel like you're right. saying the same thing. 
Absolutely. And I think that's a really, really important point. You know, that people try to force, force a change. And it's like, you don't have, if you do nothing, <laughs> it's still gonna, it's still gonna happen. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think that's a really, really important point. And, and again, there's that tension between, um, moving in the direction or, or kind of taking the action that's going to, um, shape the movement more in the kind of direction that you want without kind of forcing it, you know, you're not going to force it into a box, but you know, how do you, it's, you know, it reminds me of different kinds of martial arts where, you know, moving the energy is really important. So it's not so much about punching someone, but it's how are you going to kind of just shift that energy while maintaining the flow? How do you, how do you stay in the flow and also use your energy to shift what you see around you mm, so yeah. that's that's one of the primary practices i think in life. yeah yeah and and as you're shifting and moving that energy it's it's about that balance that's yeah, how you absolutely you know that's how you kind of stay solid while that energy yeah. moves around you is finding right. that balance inside yourself which we've described right. kind of as attention yeah right. well i mean <laughs> so <laughs> these are gigantic concepts and I think this fascinating, <laughs> you, you, you managed to make them like actually, you know, really clear with your metaphors. Let's get even down into the dirtier now. Like how okay. can people take this idea of the third space? How can people take this idea that of, you know, how your identity is going to be tested in a transformation mm -hmm. and your identity can shift based on the environment and some of the other things you learned in your own your own journey, mm -hmm. your own, your own dance, actually better, yeah. your own dance yeah. into, you know, being a coach, this, this transformation that right. happened to you. What can people really take away as like some practical things to try or some tools? What would you suggest? Um, the main things that I pretty much always suggest in terms of if you want, you know, like how these are thresholds, you know, the thresholds, how are you going to move, um, because they are, to me, spaces that allow people to see balance and find balance and to experience that third space in a different kind of way that they might um, not otherwise experience it. So um, one is definitely um, experimenting and tapping into spirituality and intuition, however one happens to define that. So um you know, I am a diviner. I use a lot of different types of divination practices. Um, it works for some people. It doesn't work for everyone. Um, see a diviner, take some classes. Um, there are so many different ways of experiencing divination. So give it a try, um, but also use your intuition to discern whether or not you're communicating with somebody who resonates with you. So I think that's a really big piece in any kind of religious or spiritual experience. Um, my experience is that I could find somebody in every single religion and every single spiritual structure who resonates with me and who doesn't resonate with me. So you know, whatever is the closest thing to you, um, in terms of finding spiritual community or finding spiritual connection, know what that is for you and, um, just try it, whatever, again, whatever that could be. It could be deciding that you're going to, um, walk outside every single day for a week or whatever, whatever it is, it, it can take all kinds of different, um, structures. So that's one thing. Um, another thing is definitely being creative, um, and using creativity, 
Um, and if you have creative blocks working with those, finding somebody who can work with you on those. Um, and how do you define creativity? I have a, well, the neuroscientific definition of creativity is, um, your potential for randomness in the prefrontal cortex. So creativity is literally taking different concepts together and figuring out how they can be related for me. So, Mm. um, it's exploration. Um, I hate that definition, by the way. That, that definition doesn't make any sense. The word randomness to me doesn't make any sense. I know. You know, it's, know. Not, it's not random. But I love your add-on. But I, which is- I think that what I like about it is I'm in I, – when I think about that, my image when I offer that definition is that, you know, in our brain there are kind of these little nodes and that creativity means that those neurons are not afraid – to go to nodes that they've never gone to before. Oh, that's and nice. And I think to me, that's what creativity is. It is um, exploring exploring paths that have never been explored before, whether it's for you or for the world. Um, but mostly it's for you because that's where the growth comes. So creativity is literally an expansion of how our um, how the electromagnetic systems of our brains can work. So the more creative you are, the more you light up. Um, and that's, I like that kind of metaphor as well. Oh yeah. You literally um, light up. The more you literally, you literally light up light inside up. your head. Yeah, yeah. You light up literally, I mean, literally not just in a scan in a brain scan, but literally, um, you have more electromagnetic energy moving through your brain. Um, and again, if you're dancing or doing something physical, then you literally have more all throughout your body. Um, so that's how I would describe creativity and um and then connected I think all of these things are together and then the third thing that I think is really important is in terms of connecting with your pleasure and your desire. So what do you what feels good? So connecting with the body, so getting back into, you know, how many people are walking around that are totally unembodied? Yeah. A shocking number of people are walking around who are not embodied. <laughs> um so what is it that brings pleasure to your body in any kind of way? And, and what is your desire? What are your dreams? So when you get up in the morning, if you could do anything, what would it be? You know, and then to connect to that and to understand that I have a very core belief that our desire leads us to our destiny. So to follow, to really take time to get to know um, what your desire is, what your dreams are, you know, and, and to be able to connect to your body too, you know, so it could even be like... Um, well, I like this particular kind of food. What, what do you like about that kind of food or what, you know, and then for me, because my mind can be overly creative, I can just connect to you. What's your, how your flavor profile connects to your personality and all those kinds of things. I do a lot of that kind of stuff in my coaching too. (laughs) You like strawberries. um, So that means you are from the planet Ganymede. I don't know. Like, (laughs) right. I mean, but to ask, you know, what, what is it? Um, because I do believe that our bodies are a pathway into our spirits. Um, so to really understand, again, not just the, the physical pleasure and the physical desire, but what's the relationship between physical pleasure and physical desire and, um, sense of purpose and sense of destiny in this lifetime and in this body. Mm, so good. I love how you said the body is, is a pathway into the spirit. A lot of people don't really get that. They see their body as a, like a, me- a mechanistic device, 
you know, like right, some or something that inhibits their spirit. Yeah, yeah, something against their spirit. But in, right. in actuality, it's the perfect, the perfect vehicle to uh, to experience, you know, this this time space continuum as a spirit. You know, right. and and we chose this vehicle so that we could achieve what we needed to achieve in this life. Exactly, exactly. So. I like I love what you said about getting into the body. I find that to be one of the ends up being one of the central things in my work as well because so many people live in their head only. And I used to be like that. Yeah. I lived most of my life in my head and and probably my biggest transformation was moving out of the head and into my body, realizing that my thoughts yeah. were just, you know, I didn't have to listen to them and they weren't me and they're just reflections of something else and and realizing that my body had so much information for me. Yes. So this idea of three things you said get Get familiar. Just start exploring your intuition. Yep. Which is uh, in whatever way that what means. Maybe go to someone who does divination. Like that would include tarot readings, right? Mm-hmm. That would mm-hmm. include that kind of thing, or or maybe some intuitive, you know, someone else who is intuitive. Right. And find what your own intuition means for you. I think that's right. yeah. A lot of people uh, wait to do that. They think science needs to like prove intuition before they right. even go explore it. But right. that's don't like just go yeah. find it yourself and use your experience as your information. Right. So well, great and intellect one. and intuition are two sides of the same coin. So there can be new, no intuition without intellect, and no intellect without intuition. I can't imagine being a researcher without intuition. Mm. And, and I can be extremely intellectual and extremely dense, but I can't imagine what it would be to, you know, it is the intuition that leads you to the question in the first place. So when you cut yourself off from, again, you cut yourself off from your intuition, you cut yourself off from asking the question that's your real purpose in life. Mm. Mm, yeah. So I like that. You know, it's not intuition isn't against intellect. Intuition isn't no. against. They you work know, in conjunction with each other when they are in tension and in balance with each other. Yeah. Back to that balance. Back to that balance mm-hmm. idea. Yeah. Okay. So go explore your intuition. Go find, uh, feel what's in your body, get into your body and look into your, the, what's going to be pleasurable for you. Look into yeah. what your desire is. And I think it's, you know, I, I feel like it's important to say here that also our brain throws out a lot of ideas about what our desire is and what our pleasure is. Mm-hmm. But what we're really saying is look for the ones that are in your heart. Look for the ones right. that are, that are deep inside of your body because your brain can have a lot of beliefs about who you should be or what you should do. Right. As I say, the outside world tells us a lot about what we're supposed, what's supposed to make us feel good. Yeah. Well, if you have this experience, that's going to make you feel good or should make you feel good. Um, but when you're really, you know, deeply inside of your body, deep inside of, you know, and, and like you said, that connection between your body and your heart, what is the thing that emerges for you? Yeah. Yeah. And not, so what you're talking about now is ownership of your own sensations and your own experience and not taking, you know, not taking, uh, the society's messages or your parents' messages as your own. Right. Yeah. And then you said about how desire following your desire can lead us to our destiny. That's an awesome idea. I feel like that's the, that could be the name for an amazing program, like from desire <laughs> to destiny, you know, hopefully we'll see that program on, yeah. uh, you know, in your work sometime soon. But, uh, that, that's also really interesting. You know, this heart-based desire, if we follow it, it can't, it will, it lead us to actually what our souls want to experience, you know, this time right. around. And I think that's absolutely, absolutely true. You know, one of the ways that uh, I was taught to find that is by feeling the sense of, excitement or freedom in my body 
when I'm trying to move towards something or not, you know, making a decision. It's like, which is the one that where I feel this internal sense of excitement or this internal sense of freedom. That's almost always the signal for me that that's really aligned with my soul desire. Right. And then creativity, which was a great, uh, I loved your definition because you didn't say, you know, creativity is art or, you know, or any specific type of movement. You just said creativity is, is anywhere where your, your brain Lights up up in new ways. And, you know, where you're testing the edges of your own experience, where you're testing Mm -hmm. the edges of your own, what you're producing in the world. And I think Mm -hmm. no matter if if someone believes they they, they can, you know, they can or can't draw, can or can't dance, you know, can or can't play an instrument. It's not about that. It's about where is your edge and how do you want to push yourself there? That's so I, I think those are some great tips, practical advice. I'm so, I feel so much energy inside me right now after this conversation <laughs> i feel like we could easily go for another hour unpacking these concepts i feel like uh, i'm gonna have to have you on the show again sometime to talk more about okay. what it means to you know wear our human bodies as clothes that alone you know <laughs> can be like a, a two-day lecture you know and a, and a concept i love so thank you so that's much a, for that's being a on Dalai the show Lama concept i should say Okay. Well, you know, he says some cool things. He knows yeah. a little bit about us. He knows so a little bit about something. So I just incorporated into my work. Okay. My perfect. Perfect. So thank you for sharing your story of transformation. Thank you for sharing these, these amazing tips. Where can people find out about you if they want to follow Hillary Booker, you know, get uh, in touch with you? Where do they go? They can go to my website, which is www.instituteforearthbasedliving.com. They can email me at hillary at instituteforearthbasedliving.com, and it's Hillary with one L. Um, they can find me on Facebook, um, just my name, Hillary Booker. Also, I have a page, the Institute for Earth-Based Living. I have another page for a research project that I'm doing called the Rose Hip Road Trip. Um, and I have else instagram i love instagram so my personal instagram is hillary b130 again hillary with one l and then (laughs) i'm also at institute for earth-based living on instagram okay thank you lots of ways to follow you you know uh the viewers the listeners can't see you but you know i can see you right now and when you when you said the the first time Hillary with one L, you kind of did this like your eyes kind of like you had this like eye roll. You must be dealing with that a lot, that a lot of people spell that incorrectly. They do. And especially, yeah. you know, Hillary Clinton has two L's. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, well, but it's okay. that's uh, now you guys know it's one L, everybody, one in L's. all these places. So contact Hillary. She's doing some amazing work. Thank you so much, Hillary, for being on the show. I really Thank enjoyed you. the conversation. Yeah, this has been great. Thank you. Okay, great. Thanks, everybody, for listening and making this part of your day. This has been the Love and Profit Show. 